everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casella. With me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy Bayheim's Army is TBD Champions Week. Happy Jeremy Grant is a gold medalist week. Happy uh, Justin Knight's also an Olympian week. A couple other things. What else we got? Happy, happy welcome to uh, the Mets' usual August situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, season over. Happy happy end of baseball season. <laughs> baseball season's over. Dan and I won't talk about it again until September 10th when they win 12 in a row and finish one game out of the division. Uh, yeah, they've got one uh, one good like couple of weeks stretch to get us back involved uh, in them. I just don't know when it'll be, and uh, it'll probably just make the inevitable uh, final collapse even more painful. But, you know, that's, that comes when it comes. Yeah, you, 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 I mean, you don't know what you're signing up for when you first sign up, but, but you have plenty of chances to get off later on. Um, and, and at this point, we, we've both been supporting this putrid team long enough to, uh, to, to, to know what's coming next. Yeah. Always a delight. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned um, a couple things that I think if you told us 12 months ago, we wouldn't have believed. Um, Jeremy Grant winning a gold medal. Um, Bayheim's Army winning uh, a TBT um, on a last second. Well, all shots are last second in that tournament, but uh, on a last second <laughs> shot, no less uh, <laughs> from Kiefer Sykes of all people. Um, just a really a, a fun, truly game. just remarkable, probably ill-advised, but awesome shot. <laughs> like, Wild, wildly dumb three. <laughs> truly, like the thing that the Elam ending is like made for is just like. Why did he shoot that? Oh my god, he made it! Uh, amazing, swarm the court. Like I'm so like, and again, like while you know, probably ill advised. That's why the eleven is awful. It's better than you know when it ends on free throws, which happens occasionally. But uh, no, shout out to Kiefer Sykes, Syracuse legend. Yeah, Syracuse legend Kiefer Sykes. Uh, Syracuse who's legend. now playing with Tyrese Race. <laughs> Kiefer Sykes, who's now playing on the Pacers with uh, O'Shea and someone else got a roster invite too uh, in the summer league. There's another Syracuse connection on the Pacers Summer League squad. Is there? Yeah. See, I, just know, I mean, O'Shea's in a pretty good spot to make the roster, I would think. Yeah, I mean, he, had a, he did a contract, so he's in pretty good shape overall. Um, BJ Johnson. BJ Johnson's also uh-huh. on the Summer summer League team. So, yeah, so, uh, a, a, full, a legitimate Syracuse legend, a uh, Syracuse outgoing transfer who has played for Bayhams Army and that we still like. And then uh, a TBT edition Syracuse legend in T for Sykes. So shout out to the Indiana Pacers summer league team. That is your official team of of orange, I think, for the summer you, league. You you couldn't pay me to root for the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. I'll root for O'Shea though. He's great. We you didn't root for the individuals. Yeah, that's true. Um, I always I always forget there's like the weird like '90s NBA rivalries that like don't really make sense now, but they still have like, especially for like the Knicks, they still have like deep, deep hatred. I just, I just hate the heat and Pacers so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's never and now like, what was the last like big Knicks heat or Knicks Pacers game? I guess the Knicks had the Pacers series a couple years, like not that long ago. The, uh... Yeah. And, and, and of course like Turner put Reggie on like every goddamn game. Yep. Which why like, wouldn't they? It's like, why wouldn't they? But also like Reggie's just bad at his job. It's not as, yeah, he's not good. Yeah, it's like but, it's like it's not as if it's any like fun. Co- like it's not as if he's like great. It's like oh damn it, like fine. Like at least like Reggie's gonna call a good game. Like no, Reggie's terrible. Yeah, Reggie is not good. Uh, I'm sure as Knicks fans, that's even more torture. Um, 
yeah, fun. Yeah, it was a, a, a pure delight. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, us winning TBT was great. Uh, I know we talked about it a ton on the site. Everyone talked about it on social. Um, it seemed like all of basketball, um, just folks in general were watching um, that shot go in. There was a lot of fun reactions. Um, in general, I it's obviously much more fun to win via Elam ending than lose uh, via Elam ending, but really glad we did it. I, I, I've said it before. I'm very curious to see what happens with this team now that they won. I feel like this is definitely kind of a a not I actually think it's a hard reset um really on 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 how the team's constructed um what they're doing from here on out like I'm curious to see if Adam Weitzman's still involved um going forward I'm curious to see how many players they can actually like have come back I know when you're splitting a million dollars like you know 15 ways or so it's not as if it's like this life-altering amount of money but you could do a lot with that and that's not money that you know can just be scoffed at by any means um so so I, I am curious what this team looks like going forward um, when, when a lot of the like stalwarts of that roster year in and year out are no longer with them. Yeah, it, it will be fascinating. I, I like, I wonder if Belby will keep on doing it. Obviously this is like really felt like a culmination um, in so many ways. Um, Devendorf, that was his last game. He had a pretty big role in it, especially early on. Um, yeah. It, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if like the fire is still there for all of those guys or if, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they took like a year off. It wouldn't shock me if they waited just for like a new crop of young former Syracuse players who are in Europe or in the G League, um, kind of like refill the uh, the the like coffers, and so to speak. But um, no, it was fun. It, it was it really felt like for all of us, like every summer we've been doing this, and it, it really felt like a weight off the shoulders of a lot of people, um, even for us fans who have just followed this thing pretty intensely. So, congrats to them. Um, great way to finish. Um, Shout out to Chris Matola, who like was pretty clearly the best Syracuse guy on that team. Like he looked great, and uh, I know he's like really been stumping hard for like a, uh, an invite to a roster or something. Hopefully he gets it. But like even if not, like he's he's clearly added so much to his game since we last saw him. Um, so hopefully at, at worst he'll just you know head over to Europe or head back to to Asia and and, and cash in because he looked really impressive. Yeah, I know a couple of people mentioned this, you know, afterward, like the McCullough we saw here, that was like pretty close in some regards. So like the guy we thought we were getting uh, and, and could have gotten really before his injury freshman year um, at Syracuse, it was that potential, that five-star talent. Like he, he was a, he was a, a star performer and, and somebody that definitely looked like he deserved to be on the court, you know, more than most. And, and, and it was definitely great to see him be able to show out there. And yeah, I, I do hope he's able to, to either catch on at the NBA level or, you know what, there's a lot of money to be made um, abroad. I, I think one thing that I, I would say going forward here is that, you know, without the kind of spiritual, emotional leader like, like Devendorf, um, without a lot of these, like, again, longtime players, um, I, I am curious what's next, especially when Syracuse hasn't necessarily been, like, churning out NBA-level players to the same degree they have, they, they were, when, like, the, like, realistically, a lot of the 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 like Bayheim's army rosters have come from like, you know, this, uh, this kind of like second golden age of Syracuse basketball. Um, this like, you know, 08 to um, like 2013, 2014 um, like timeframe. And, you know, once you get past all those guys really being like young enough to do this and, and, and hungry enough to want to do this. Um, I am curious, like, where exactly you're going um, next. I know that there were some guys past that time um, on this roster, but I still think you probably need 
you, you probably need a, a, a bunch more guys if you want this team to be like predominantly Syracuse players still. Yeah, I think uh, I think that is a valid question. Like the the A, I think there was something to like trying to get over the hump and winning it and having extra um, motivation in that regard. I also think you probably don't want to go too much more um, in the non-Syracuse camp than you did this year. I thought it was fine this year. It was like a handful of guys. They played big roles. But, like, you don't want it to be, like, a 50-50 thing. You still want the core of the group to be Syracuse guys. So um, I do wonder if, like, you'll have the same uh, fire without, like, Dieferdorf playing. Um, you know, we'll see if, if Weissman stays involved, as you said. But uh, if, if this was, like, the end of an era for it, I think it was a, a really fun way to go out. I, I hope that they field a team next year. I hope that they still push for it because it is a fun event and it really helps um, break up the offseason, especially the college offseason. But it would be understandable if they want to take like a break and, and let things kind of kind of sit for a bit. Um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, there is you know a million dollars in the line. I don't know if they maybe they can bump that up as TBT uh, continues to get like more and more prevalent. Like the fact that like so many of the games were on ESPN was really cool. But uh, yeah, I, I hope that I hope that there's a rooting interest for us next, whether it's Bayhams Army or like some Syracuse guys on another team or something, because like uh, you know it is really fun and it and it I think really uh, helps. Helps do us something during the summer besides, you know, inevitably disappointing Mets baseball. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, at least this year, like, there was uh, the Olympics to, like, pay attention to. I feel like in, a, in, in your typical summer, not so much. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think this is going to be interesting. Like you said, I think there could be a, a year gap, but there's definitely there's definitely a lot of avenues they could go from here, you know, and, and not to disparage the current team or the last few rosters, but I feel like you could potentially throw together a team pretty easily from um, – for, from the last like few rosters this year's included, you know, save, save maybe NBA bound transfers or things like that. Um, looking at you, Quincy Garrier, but there's probably a, a, a future, you know, seven years from now where, 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 where buddy Jimmy and, uh, and Joe Girard are, are leading this team in, in another edition of TBT. Oh God. Oh, you'll have all of upstate New York, just like flooding Dayton or wherever they hold it. <laughs> Oof. So Dan, anything, anything on the Olympics? I guess um, obviously Jeremy Grant uh, got a W. I know Justin Knight finished, I believe, seventh um, in in his late race. That's right. But we had in general like this was just another good Olympics for Syracuse. This has been just great overall for SU to have um, a solid gold medal streak alive. Um, you know, Carmelo kind of got that rolling, and then now Jeremy Grant gets to continue it. Um, Grant might be able to participate in 2024 um, if he'd like to. Um, SU had, I believe, four medals overall. Yeah, four medals overall, one gold, one silver, two bronze. So in general, just great stuff by, by SU athletes. Um, and hopefully we start you know, seeing more added to that, especially as more sports are getting added here. It'd be great to see you know, more Syracuse athletes come home with some hardware. Yeah, it's always really neat. We had some other athletes medal uh, in other events. So it's, uh, it, I mean, anytime you can throw in something beyond just like the normal rooting interests that we have um, for the U.S. athletes, but also obviously the Canadians like Knight, um, throwing in like the Syracuse aspect really makes it uh, cool to follow like the, the, the breadth of sports because there's so many people that like even fly under the radar while they're here who go on to do incredible things. But uh you know, hopefully Jeremy will be keep on being involved. Obviously, he didn't play with the biggest role in this, but it, it's cool to see him even like. And I know, like when you have uh, some of the other guys that were on the added late to the roster, it wasn't like the dream team level, but it's still really awesome to see him considered for like 
you know, a pretty important team, especially one that had uh, its bats against the wall. So um, hopefully he, he's able to parlay this into another really good year for the Pistons. Uh, he'll be playing with Kate Dunningham, who I think would be a really interesting pairing for him um, as the two like centerpieces of that team. Uh, I could see them be a really fun pick and roll combo. But um, yeah, I mean, Jeremy is kind of flourishing in these last couple of years has been really awesome to see. I mean, we, we all had high expectations for him after his college career, even when he went to the second round, he he just keeps on getting better every single year. He's been doing that since he was at Syracuse. And that's, that's always special because there's a, like, eventually a lot of, most guys, you know, most, even guys who get to the NBA plateau at some point in their twenties and you kind of know who they are. And Jeremy just seems to keep on uh, just gaining ground and, and ra- uh, raising his profile. And it's, uh, it's great. It's great to have another like legit star uh, out of Syracuse. Cause after Mello retires, you know, there was a little bit of a worry that we wouldn't have that guy. And obviously Jeremy's not like a tier one guy like Carmelo was, but you know, he's still like, he, he's, he's a, a legitimate right all, yeah, he's like a legitimate all-star level player. And you know what? Like I actually like, you know, the Pistons got panned a bunch in the last season. Like Pistons have an interesting roster right now. They've it's kind of weird. like, they were, did some weird stuff and they sent all those power forwards and they had like a weird roster construction. And they obviously what helps me get the first number one pick, but they've kind of fallen into a really interesting situation. I don't know if they'll be like great next year, but if Cunningham is as good as a lot of people think, like they will be, they'll be pretty fun. Well, they've got options. I mean, I'm looking at this roster here, like Cunningham, like Sadiq Bay. Like, I still don't think like the jury's out on like Hamadou Diallo. I mean, Luke Garza, they just drafted, obviously Grant, Killian Hayes was only drafted a year ago. You know, like Josh Jackson, again, I don't think he's like necessarily like done yet. Jaleel Okafor is not what we thought Jaleel Okafor was going to be, but that's fine because they also have Kelly Olenek. There's also, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. who can Nick's, make some plays. Even if he's not great. <laughs> and then like Isaiah, Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> don't even want to talk about it. And then, and then Isaiah Stewart, who like, who like Syracuse fans should be familiar with. Like, like there's a lot on this team to like. I don't know if all the parts fit together um, necessarily, but like I still think Hayes has high upside. I still think that like 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 th- there's a starting lineup here, and there 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 are at least five to seven guys that like could form a pretty like interesting rotation at the NBA level. Yeah, I think you have. I was about to say the same thing. I think you have like seven guys who, out of this group of like really young team. I mean, looking at the ages, like. Jeremy is the old man at 27. There's Kelly Olenek's the only person older than him uh, yeah. on the roster right now, which is crazy. Uh, Olenek's 30. Um, you have, like, in here, there are seven guys who form, like, a, the top line of an NBA rotation somewhere. Maybe not this year or next year, but down the line. Um, I think, like, if Jeremy's your third best player, I think you're in, in business. I don't know that he can be the second best player on, like, a, a solid playoff team. But if Cunningham turns into that guy and you add another person and let Jeremy be, like, a third option defensive like st- standout um again like like second tier all-star like then you're you're really building something so i think they they've kind of like back and like uh backdoored their way into a really interesting situation here but uh they should be fun i think uh, i imagine i'll find myself watching a lot more pistons basketball next year this year not so much although they did give the nets like fits every time they played for some reason <laughs> yeah i'll uh i'll probably get nba league pass again um so yeah, I'll probably watch more Pistons than I than I had planned to. But uh, yeah, I mean Cunningham was so much fun at college. So you know, if he translates, yeah. And realistically, like I don't know. I mean, I know anyone who likes the league, league pass, they usually try to find like a handful of teams. I feel like last year I watched the Kings a lot, mostly just because, like, not because they were good, but just because if I'm like sitting around at like eight eight thirty Pacific time, there's only so many teams on. 
Um, and, and, and the Kings were usually a good league pass bet um, because they didn't get a lot of national TV time. Yeah, and the Kings are like one of those teams where like, even when they're getting blown out, it's like kind of an interesting game because they have a lot of good dart play. So yeah, you can find those like bad teams that just like some, like they might not win, but they translate to, to fun basketball. Totally. Yeah, so, so looking forward to that. Um, Dan's, I know we have a lot to do on the Atlantic division front um, here. Why don't we talk some beer quick and then we can jump into uh, the Atlantic division previews and, and, and avoid being too pressed for time at the end of the podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Cool. Yeah, I didn't have a, a ton of interesting stuff. Had some kind of like standard uh, like Brooklyn. I had a Brooklyn IPA today during lunch. I had some other kind of standard local stuff. The one interesting thing I did have uh, semi-recently um, from Central Waters Brewing, which I believe is down in Georgia. Uh, no, Wisconsin. Um, thinking of a different brewery with a similar name. Wisconsin Brewery had their Brewer's Reserve uh, called me Old Fashioned, which is a really good uh multi fully flavored uh red ale which is probably the most interesting thing that i had this week cool um on my end i had i was down at monkish had some coffee m8 um was their anniversary um imperial milk stout with coffee that was super good had uh, a couple double ipas from them had rinse and riffs and freshy alert were both pretty good had my last can of a tapash seltzer from celador had from modern times at mt8 their uh their anniversary double IPA and from modern times, a uh, neon campfire. It was a uh, pastry stout that was uh, kind of made to be like a s'mores. Uh, so that was super good. And uh, from Celador, I also had uh, Sakara was a uh, wild ale with nectarines. That was super good. I forgot. I was actually brought a tan, uh, a set of tans from Treehouse, uh, their super treat uh, up in Massachusetts. And I hadn't had Treehouse in a while. So that was actually very exciting. I for- totally forgot that that happened this week. Um, yeah. Treehouse. Need to dip back up there. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I've, I've not been. Um, I've really spent a ton of time in Massachusetts, to be honest, um, in general. I've had a lot of like Massachusetts beers um, sent this way, but I definitely need to uh, to get out there and like spend some proper time in the state beer-wise. Yeah, I had a lot of discussions about it this week. I think like Treehouse might be in my top five um, like breweries. Like I, I've, I've only, I haven't spent too much time there physically, but in terms of like, the actual set of beers they have, I think they're they're in the mix. That's fair. Yeah, they definitely they're up there for me. I wouldn't say top five. That's not a knock. Um, mine are probably all California based, which I, probably fits everybody's general like biases that they get. Is that you? You end up no. You you. It's rare that that you travel somewhere unless you're like doing it specifically for that. Travel somewhere and you happen upon a brewery that like. It's going to crack your like local standbys, especially if you're in a good beer city um, like New York or Chicago or L.A., San Francisco, Boston, anything like that. Yeah, I imagine most of mine would probably be East Coast, just just like in terms of availability. It's, totally. you know, to, there, I've had like really good individual beers from California breweries and other West Coast breweries. But, you know, you don't get to like try everything and get, get those, those beers over and over. So it's hard to hard to like lock those in as a top in your in your rankings. But, uh, you know, regionally, it's 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 always going to be uh a thing unless you're like someone who spends a lot of time on both toasts. 
Agreed. All right, Dan. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the Atlantic Division? Uh, we're not going to talk Syracuse uh, for those listening. So if, if you're bummed about that, sorry, we'll have a full Syracuse episode in two weeks. Uh, but now we're going to talk the other six teams in the division. I think we'll just go alphabetically. Um, so starting with Clemson. Dan, you see? Do you feel, <laughs> no, I mean, do, do you feel like Clemson? Oh, yeah, we are going to talk PC, I guess. Let's let, let's not do alphabetically then. Let's do like, let's do Clemson and then alphabetically. They feel okay. like we're out of the way. So obviously the Tigers are going to be very good again. I think their defense is going to be one of the best in the country. I think the offense, though, might take a few steps back. You know, not having Trevor Lawrence, I think, is going to be a big deal. I think not having Travis Etienne could be an even bigger deal. Also, maybe some questions around the offensive line. I mean, the good thing that the Clemson's able to do that, that a lot of teams aren't is they're able to pretty much, like, prep the next year's guys, like, the year before uh, because they're in so many blowouts that they can usually, you know, spend the second half of most games, like, getting everybody ready. So while, like, they, they lose a bunch of offensive linemen, um, what have you, like, they got the offensive lineman for this year ready um, during the second half of most of their games last year. So uh, I think Clemson's going to be fine, but, you know, wouldn't be surprised to see them lose that opener um, against Georgia. That's going to be pretty big in Charlotte. Um, and I think, I still think they win the ACC though. Yeah. I, I think Clemson might take a slight step back for the first time in a while with, I think uh Lale is, is really good. I think he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the country, but I don't think he'll be Trevor Lawrence right away. Um, offensive line, as you said, is a little bit of a question, uh, less so than most schools with like their lack of experience for the reasons you stated. But they just have like I feel like they just have like fewer options than they usually do, which is is bound to happen at some point. Um, even with a school that recruits as well as Clemson does, um, they're going to eventually tail off. And especially when like so much stuff was run through at the end, it's uh, it's hard to like really pick that up. And they use Amari Rogers, use Cornell Powell. Um, they have some good news this week with Justin Ross back. He uh, was medically cleared to play after spinal surgery, which is really good for him. That was a scary situation. Yeah. Um, Lynn J. Dixon has plenty of carries. Uh, EJ Williams, Frank Ladson have uh, have some high upside. But uh, I just, yeah, I think it's 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 going to be a slightly lesser Clemson team. It wouldn't shock me if this is the Clemson team that misses the playoff. But um, I think they would do so as like a one loss, but didn't have like the same convincing blowout wins they had across down the line. I think it would probably be like just getting left out as the five, but yeah, you know, they still have the easiest path, probably. Yeah. Losing to Georgia would be tough as well. If it's competitive, I don't think it'll get counted against them too much, especially if Georgia looks like a potential playoff team, but I don't know that they're going to be the same, like just absolute powerhouse this year. Um, and I think someone probably catches them this year. Yeah. I buy that. I mean, I hope it's us, but just, just, nice. just, just for lulls, um, really, even if I wasn't a Syracuse fan, I would say that um, just, just <laughs> because it, it's entertaining that like of all the teams that like the few teams have played Clemson closer than Syracuse um, over the last few years, uh, it would just be entertaining to catch them again, especially because it's like almost a year, almost four years to the day of the last game on a Friday night. Um, but there's definitely a lot of similarities there. Um, there. There's a little bit of a quarterback question on their end. Like there's, there's some, there's enough there to like chuckle about. Um, and if SU like just looks better starting the year than we think, you know, maybe, but I, I'm not going to predict it by any means. Um, I think in general, yeah, like you said, I think Clemson might miss the playoff this year. I think they could lose a game, maybe two um, in the regular season. And yeah, if you get the second loss in, in, in this year's ACC, you're out um, for sure. I think the one loss that happens to Georgia, um, I think, 
then Georgia becomes the most likely team to knock them out of the playoff conversation. Um, if it's a four or five situation, let's say Georgia goes unbeaten and then loses a close one to Alabama in the SEC title game, then I think you end up seeing like an Alabama one, Georgia four, Georgia three situations that they can avoid the rematch. Yeah, I think that that checks out. It's, it, you, they generally want to avoid the rematches, and if Georgia beats them handily, even though it's week one, like it becomes hard if there are other teams uh, in the midst this year. That being said, like it's still the ACC unless we have like a. Uh, kind of a rebound to what like the, the league of like in 2016 or 17 um you know the Clemson did certainly not be that good and still win most of these games by three touchdowns right. like looking at their schedule there aren't a ton of like obvious challenge spots here no. like florida state they have at home um their two toughest road games probably louisville and nc state like it's it's uh it's really not a super challenging slate outside of the georgia, georgia game no, and that might really be the, the biggest Achilles heel, that if you lose by 10 points even to Georgia, um, neutral site, like that could be enough to not get a playoff. I mean, realistically, you know, you look at it, you could see like the situation I spelled out, you know, Alabama, let's say Alabama and Georgia. Well, actually, let's say Alabama loses a game, but then beats Georgia, you know, in the SEC title game, you could still have Alabama one, let's say Oklahoma two, you know, Georgia three with, with one lost Alabama in the, SEC, in the SEC title game. And then like four is probably Ohio State. And there you go. There's your four. And and like without Clemson, without Clemson really in the mix, even just one loss and, and an unbeaten ACC season. Yeah, it's it definitely not far-fetched. And it, it feels like this is not to cast like aspersions on our good friends at Clemson. No. <laughs> it just feels like uh, like we're, they're bound to miss it at some time in the four, four team, even when they have a, a, like an undefeated ACC season. Like they can't just keep on making it on inertia. And not that they have, they, they've been pretty uh, strong every time they've made it, but I, I don't see them getting like the total benefit of the doubt if the ACC is going to remain pretty top heavy. Yeah, I absolutely agree there. Um, so moving down the list, and now we're going to go alphabetically, uh, Boston College. So everybody made a big deal about BC um, being much improved under Jeff Halfley. The numbers don't really bear it out necessarily. They were six and five. They did get involved in pretty close games. They stayed pretty competitive. Um, the passing game in general just looked far more competent than really at any point under Steve Adazio. Uh, at the same time, though, like the offensive line definitely took what seemed like at least a half step back um, from what they did have previously. David Bailey really struggled um, run game wise. And people are pretty sold on like Phil Jerkovic. He's fine. Like, like he's a good quarterback. He'll be one of like, he'll definitely be like one of the top five or six quarterbacks in the conference. That's great. But I, I have some doubts there. I still think this defense is really like in the last like three seasons has become just such a shadow of what it was. Um, and, and I think realistically, like there's still a lot of pieces um, that need to be uh, replaced here. So I, I think that, you know, BC is still going to be a competitive team that, that wins six or seven games. But I, I don't necessarily think they make I, I think you start I guess it's, I think you start seeing the Jeff Halfley like, you know, gets an NFL head coaching job, like parade, come back down to earth a little bit. And, and everyone starts realizing that like, no, like it's fine. Like they get like, like they're definitely recruiting better than Syracuse. They're definitely recruiting better than wake two, to be honest. But like, I wouldn't say BC's like really resetting expectations as much as just they're showing an ability to fall in line with really what expectations have been at BC for the last 20 plus years. Yeah, it, the 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 uh the Halfley like hype train is kind of like crazy to me. Like I think he's just like I I don't want to be this guy, but it seems like he just like 
has really good relationships with the media and that's you know i appreciate that especially when like syracuse has decided to be like as closed doors as humanly possible uh it, with a football program for the last couple of years but i don't get the sense that he's like the nets like you know pipeline to nfl or like top end college college football job guy like maybe he will be eventually if he gets bc to like a nine or ten win level a couple times and yeah like then we can really talk about it but like he had a really nice year at his first year but like if they're gonna be like a seven or eight win team all the time it's like yeah that's a that's a good that's what you hope for as bc but the the like crazy uh level of uh like the he's like not quite burgeoning on like matt campbell level but he he feels like he's bubbling under and i feel like it's he's just really sold himself quite well um which good for him uh i hope i hope uh if if he continues to sell himself really well and is winning like eight games a year he gets a big job and goes elsewhere and bc collapses but yeah overall like the the offense it's just really just so different than what we were accustomed to with bc where it was like you know the hard-nosed defense the the running back who's under 2,000 yards and grinded out now you're uh jerkovic rock solid i think he's at a, a pretty substantial amount of hype for who he is as well he like his numbers, like he looks like the, I mean, he's a Notre Dame transfer. He looks like a kind of efficient, but won't blow you away. Notre Dame quarterback, like 7.6 yards per attempt. It's fine. 17 touchdowns, five interceptions. Like you're happy. He's not making mistakes, but it's not like, you know, blow you away. Um, I don't see him like winning a ton of games single-handedly. Um, but yeah, I think he's like a, a solid top half of the ACC quarterback. And that's, that's, that's fine. It just seems like this team overall, people are like, Oh, they're, they're ready to take the leap to, what nine wins and i i would be surprised even if this schedule is like pretty uh workable um but maybe you know maybe they'll shock us and then uh you know we'll see how long they can hang on to halfway yeah i mean really like they can start like if they could beat missouri then i think like you're in the conversation for maybe eight wins um but but i don't necessarily like i think if you lose that game to mizzou it's definitely not like especially at home and then you'll probably lose the next game at Clemson. Like, I don't necessarily think that that, that then the doors open anymore for eight wins. I think last year, um, I know BC fans have a lot of excuses about why Jerkovic and Syracuse and BC didn't look that great against Syracuse, but like Syracuse was even more banged up than they were. Mm-hmm. And and then BC still almost lost that game to Jacoby Morgan. Um, so realistically, like, I don't know. I, I think that they're a better team than Syracuse, but I don't think the distance is as much as like the hype train's telling you right now. Yeah, I think it was like they played Clemson relatively tough, and that you know that's laudable. But he was twelve for twenty four for two hundred four yards in his Clemson. It wasn't because of him. And I also was that uh, that wasn't one of the Lawrence games, was it? I think. Oh yeah, that was the first or the Trevor Lawrence uh, game. Trevor Lawrence was out, so like yeah, they lost by by a touchdown there, and that's that's fine. I'm not taking anything away from them, but yeah, I'm just like looking up and down. Like he threw for under fifty percent in his Notre Dame. He was, like, good but not incredible against Louisville. It's just, like, you know, you'll certainly take this. Like, I, you know, if you told me Tommy DeVito had a had a 2020 Phil Jerkovich-type season, I'd actually be kind of surprised just because it's very game <laughs> managery, and I feel like if DeVito's playing well, he's going to put up bigger numbers than that. But I, that being said, I think I would take it. Like, 2,500 <laughs> yards, 17-5, like, I, I would sign for it probably. Um, but it's not, like, you know, it's not going to, like, blow you away. And I, I see, like, NFL stuff with him oh, yeah. it's like let's this slow down the, this is the jamie newman stuff again oh god yeah jamie newman's gonna be a first round pick because he transferred to draw oh no he didn't get drafted <laughs> like <laughs> jamie newman totally like solid college player totally would take him on my team people act like 
every like half decent quarterback is going to make this like big jump. And it's like, no, there aren't that many like quarterbacks that make it every year. <laughs> like there's like one or two. And like the Newman's number. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with like, that's why I, I, I remain apoplectic about Daniel Jones uh, being on, on my NFL team, the giants, um, because it's, it's a pretty much the same thing, except somebody finally fell for it um, and, and, and followed through on it. And it's just, there's only so much progress you can make. And, and with Newman, I mean, the numbers weren't really there. Um, the, 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 the performance against great teams wasn't really there. Um, you know, usually when, when you see a quarterback against great defense, and especially great defensive backs or, and or a great pass rush, you'll, you'll get a much better sense of who he is and how he's able to translate to the next level. And like the, the evidence wasn't necessarily there with Newman. I don't think it was necessarily there with Jones. Um, I don't think it's there with Jerkovic either. So it's not to disparage these guys. It's just more to say like there's a lot more to, to you know, draft hype than, 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 than just a couple of people saying something about you. Yeah. It, it, it also feels like, like as much as I love college football, like the college football people can be insular in the same way the NFL people can be insular when it comes to prospects. Like not every pretty decent college football player is an NFL prospect. And like not every, you know, what a person who is only, is good in college in ways that don't necessarily project to the NFL is done to like not succeed at the next level. It's just, it's funny when like people just like kind of pay attention to one thing. They just really don't know how things translate. <laughs> Correct. Um, next up, Florida State. I feel like FSU mostly gets a pass on last year, not because I think they deserve excuses, but just because realistically, like it was year one for Mike Norvell. There was an odd off season that there was a lot of COVID issues. There just wasn't necessarily like anything to really gauge anything on. And and, and I think that they've really mined the transfer market to try to improve in a hurry. I, I think that FSU fans are probably antsy here after the failed Willie Taggart era, but realistically, like this was not going to be something you can just, you know, snap your fingers and reset. Like FSU doesn't have the same resources that, you know, the Gators do or, or you know, most of the teams in the SEC do or even Clemson does right now. Like FSU definitely like is, is, is several rungs above Syracuse in that regard. But I, I wouldn't say that that the Knolls are, are, are so flush with cash that they can just, um, you know, again, snap their fingers and like go from four and eight to, to 10 and four um, the, the, the following season. Like it just doesn't work that way. Um, that said, like they're definitely fixing things. They're definitely getting talent in the door. Um, I think this is a year where they can make some good progress, but, but th- this isn't necessarily like the schedule for it either when they're facing, um, you know, Notre Dame in the opener, they're at North Carolina, at Clemson, at Florida. Um, so you could chalk those all up to losses almost certainly. I mean, really this, this November slate, NC State, Miami, at BC, Flor- at Florida, like is not a great, um, set up if they haven't gotten the bowl eligibility already. So I think this FSU team will be better than last year, but uh, they're still probably a year away from really like looking like maybe not a contender in, in, in the Atlantic, but at least looking competent in the Atlantic. Yeah, it's tough to really like, A, it's Florida State, and they're always going to have like expectations of being a powerhouse program, even if they don't have all of the same resources and things that many of those do. Like they still have a pretty recent national title. Like, you know, you can win at a high level there. Um, and it's still a stu- uh, public school in Florida. Like you, they, they have, while they might not have like Florida, the, the Gators resources, they have Florida and they're like, they're in Florida that it counts for a lot. Um, but, and also I think they do like, while it's, it's hard to really sell a three and six year, like they definitely got better during the course of the season. They, like they lost, they got killed by Miami and lost to Georgia Tech in the first two games last year, but then they played Notre Dame like pretty tough. They played UNC really tough. 
Um, they play, uh, they, they beat Duke by like a ton at the end. Um, now you have to like parlay that. Like we saw what like a, a couple of promising late 2019 games for Syracuse meant for 2020, not too much. <laughs> um, so they need to, to really see what they have in Jordan Travis, a quarterback. Um, he's a, a really electric runner uh, as a passer, a lot of question marks. Um, they have tried to stock with the, with the transfers. I think that's uh, an interesting tra- strategy for Norvell given his recruiting uh, advantages, but it's also been like a, about as weird a uh, two years to start at a program, especially one where you don't have like those deep roots um, as Norvell doesn't really at Florida state. They're kind of starting uh, from a very different place than they were with Taggart uh, and Jimbo. Um, so it's, it, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know that this is like, they get like full, like now year one after year zero treatment. Cause I think the expectations are very high. I do think they probably need to like get to a bowl because if I don't think he'll be fired if they don't, uh, if they only go five and, uh, five and seven or whatever, I don't think he'll be fired for that, but I do think, um, he gets warm think, once again. Yeah. Then you, you're going to start, he'll go into 2022, in a uncomfortable place. I think if they don't make a bowl, if they make a bowl, I think you can sell like, going from three and sits to sits and sits uh, as like a legitimate progress, especially with this really, really brutal schedule. Oh yeah. And realistically, like this team's going to rise and fall, I, I think in large part on, on, on the offensive line for one, which should be better than like the, the disasters of years past, but also just rise and fall on, on what Mackenzie Milton does, um, you know, transferring in and really if he's able to stay healthy, because if he looks, you know, 75% of what he did at UCF, then I think this team Still has something going. I I don't think they can win more than than seven games, maybe eight, if, if the cards fall right. But like this is def like this team is definitely far more impressive with him under center than not. Yeah, he's he's far from perfect, but he he definitely seemed to give them a jolt last year. Yeah. So um, from there we're on to Louisville. Now I'm kind of like speeding through these. Want to make sure we get them all in. Uh, Louisville had the awkward situation where Scott Satterfield um, was entertaining uh, South Carolina in particular. <laughs> ultimately did not go uh, i fences may be mended in general though like last year's louisville offense was really really good um the defense was uh, abysmal for the most part aside from the game when they beat syracuse they did nothing uh and yeah louisville is i think a lot better than last year but i don't know if they're necessarily as good as they were two years ago either uh i, I think having you know malik cunningham under center is definitely going to help them out but uh running back's a big question so is receiver um, after, you know, last year's stars, um, you know, all left, there's definitely questions on the defense too, which may be a good thing. Um, if last year's didn't do that well, but I think there's enough questions here that they're probably more like a six and 16 than an eight and five team. But it now sort of seems like Satterfield's kind of like entertaining, getting out the door and could potentially do so if he can get them, coax them to seven or more wins again. That kind of flew under the radar in the offseason. It, it got, like, pretty ugly for a minute yeah. there. And I, it sounds like everyone's kind of, like, you know, playing nice now. But um, he was really done for that South Carolina job. And, like, South Carolina is, like, a, a good job. It's an SEC job. It pays well. But it, it it's not like, you know, as Louisville fans, I can get why they would not be thrilled that their coach of one year is already looking for, like, a mid-tier at best SEC job um, and not, like, a top-flight one. So I, I think he's a good coach. I think they should, like, hope they can kind of mend the fence, but it's it's hard not to think uh, of him if he's, like, looking at that job, he's looking at others. Like, that's not, like, you know, so obvious a place to jump that it's not – that it, he won't, like, then consider, you know, Tennessee the next time it opens or whatever other Kentucky if Stoops leaves or, like, one of those other similar similar spots. So, um, 
yeah, I kind of I get the consternation. It just got really weird really fast. But uh, overall, like I think they they should be pretty decent. They had uh, you know Cunningham was, was was quite fun last year. He loses his his big targets, uh, but I think just having an experienced college quarterback uh, and a talented one like him says uh, does a lot. Schedule's pretty spicy. Uh, Ole Miss on the schedule. The Kentucky game has turned into like a, a pretty competitive one. Um, UCF in in the non conference. Uh, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I think they have the, you know, they should be a bowl team. I think they could probably win seven or eight, but the Satterfield stuff just, I think is, is like the clear headline for them because, uh, that doesn't seem like a situation that's just going to like go away now. And he's just going to be like happy there for 10 years. It definitely seems like it's going to end sooner rather than later. Um, I do see, I think seven or eight would be a tough call here. I think like seven, fine. I think eight would be tough. Um, again, it's like Florida state, like really get the cards up to fall exactly right. Um, no pun intended here. Uh, I, I, I would definitely say this is more of a six-win team unless unless the offense really shows out, unless the defense takes some real steps forward with, with its new personnel. But I know we talked hype team earlier with BC. Another hype team right now around the ACC is NC State. You know, never mind the fact that Dave Dorn, like, couldn't win more than nine games with, like, really a fleet of NFL players um, on his roster a few years ago. Um, they took a step back. Last year, they took another step forward, it felt like. Um, at the same time, they almost lost to Syracuse. And if not for um, a fourth down spike, they might have lost to Syracuse. Uh. Ah, yes. One of our, one of our favorite <laughs> moments of, 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 of recent Syracuse uh, Syracuse vintage. Um, Syracuse almost won that game, though. And and, and, and I know, you know, uh, N of one here. At, but at the same time, like, that game told me a lot about that this NC State team isn't necessarily ready to take this next step. Um, and I know they bring back a lot of guys. Uh, Devin Leary, definitely a, a key to success here um, for this offense. Not the toughest schedule. I think Louisiana Tech's kind of a, a, a like low-key, like difficult or more difficult game for, for what should be like a G5 uh, body bag matchup. Uh, USF, who knows what the hell they're going to look like. But at Mississippi State, I think week two tells you a lot uh, what this team is going to be. Um, they get Miami on the road, Florida State on the road, Wake Forest on the road, BC on the road in conference play. North Carolina closes things out. Like this is not a simple schedule for NC State, and I could see an, a, a good NC State team still going around eight and four, which isn't bad to be honest. I think it's just gonna. I don't just don't necessarily know if it aligns with what the like the the, the just expectations that people are ascribing to them. Um, ultimately, we'll, we'll give them a lot of credit though for having a very experienced offensive line. Uh, there's a lots of like here. Um, in the backfield, uh, wide receiver, really like almost everybody's back. Um, this defense should be very, very good. Isaiah Moore and Peyton Wilson are two of the better linebackers in the uh, in the conference. So there's definitely a lot to like here. I think again, I think they get better this year, but I still think better might land them at eight and four, maybe nine and three as a ceiling, um, despite all that, which is fine if you have realistic expectations for them. Yeah, I think they're going to be like a similar NC State team to what we've come to know and love. Um, I, I have some questions about the still positions, but I, I think when you are built on like solid, if not great defense, and you're always kind of well situated at the offensive line, which I feel like they've been for a while here, you're going to have a recipe for at least like solid success. Um, I mean, it's it's no surprise that like Syracuse has faltered uh, the ways it has. It's like, yeah, offensive line has been a mess and defense uh, has some really good players, but has been a question. I mean, last year obviously brought good stuff, but um, overall, like, middle of the defense has been a question for a while. So NC State's done that pretty reliably well. They do also, it's another another team where uh, their coach every so often seems to want to doubt, get out uh, 
<laughs> he has obviously had Italians with the Tennessee. Um, I Dorn's I, at some point going to get a big job that he may or may not deserve. At we'll see what happens there. But, probably Tennessee. Uh, we'll probably see him in 2025 in uh, Atlanta. Oh, that'd be funny. <laughs> Our old friend. Yeah, like he. I, it, it didn't get as fristy as the Satterfield thing did, but I feel like every every like two years he like has his name very firmly involved with like a job that's better, but not that much better than NC State. <laughs> and uh, I'm kind of I don't know. I think their fans have probably handled it a little better. And like I don't know why you're him. You want to leave though? Realistically, you can you, at it's NC State. Coach- yeah, like it's coach friendly. And to be honest, at NC State, like you can do like like if you win eight games, your ceiling's like eight wins most years. And like, like, yeah, like, like if you're, if your ceiling is eight wins for the most part, like you're going to get fired at Tennessee at some point. If you, if your ceiling is eight wins at NC state, you're going to be one of the greatest coaches in the history of the program. Yeah. I do wonder if like North Carolina really takes this leap that they seem promised to take. And we'll talk about that next week. Um, I do wonder if like that starts to heat things up for him because like NC state's in a pretty cush spot, but at North Carolina had been kind of between like good, but or underwhelming over the last however many years. And I wonder if, if Mac really gets that rolling and how is like everything we think and, and they like maybe even compete for a playoff bid uh, like that is what ends up getting NC state fans like kind of fired up. That's reasonable. Yeah. Definitely something we can talk about a little bit more next week. Um, last but not least though, I want to talk about wake you know, Dave Clawson, I think last year's team took a little bit of a step back. They weren't not competitive, but they also weren't necessarily like great last year. They went four and five. They kind of got smoked by Wisconsin in the bowl game. In general, though, like Wake's been consistently like pretty solid. And this year they bring back a, a ton of talent. They bring back just about everybody on defense, offense, pretty much everybody's back too. Um, this is the only team that could probably compete with us. Well, one of the only teams that could really compete with us for uh, top flight special teams in the conference. Um, a lot depends on whether you believe in Sam Hartman but I think he's got the receivers to make it happen um, between Takari Robinson, Taylor Morin, uh, Donovan Green. Christian Bill Smith has been a, a pretty good running back. And I remember like when Wake's running backs and just run game general were terrible. Um, so this has been a really nice um, shift for them. And I remember like two, like offensive line when Clawson first took over, first few years was just rough. Um, and since then, he's found a way, found a way to recruit really well um, in the trenches and he's developed really well on both sides of the ball. So I, I think that, I think Clawson, I don't think Lawson's overrated. I think he does a lot with what he has and probably better job with what he has than, than Dino does. But there also might be a more distinct ceiling there um, in, in, in terms of what he can do with that squad. I think Clawson's another guy who maybe not as outwardly as Dorn is, is, is flirting with bigger opportunities, but someone who, if he can get Wake to eight wins this year, he's definitely going to be on a lot of short lists, um, even maybe at the NFL level um, because of what he's been able to do here. So I think they have the schedule to be able to win eight uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they they, they kind of sat in the seven eight range um, and just looked you know solid but not amazing like just good. I, granted, I will say that they, they have they, there's a real shot here to start eight zero, which is not something you say a lot about the uh, Wake Forest team Deacons. Yeah, I, I think Clawson's really settled into his like Jim Drobe uh, role of like yeah. the team's never going to be like worse like too much worse than five five wins and like maybe a slight that's a slight disappointment. They're usually be in the bowl mix. They could maybe compete to be the second or third team in the division uh, every so often, and they have like, a pretty uh, a, a fan base that I think is pretty comfortable with that. Um, oh, yeah, they love it. So they don't care. NC State, yeah. As long as you're like in the mix, you're you're not embarrassing the school, and you're winning some games, and and it's a nice little time out there in, in Winston Salem. Like, obviously, you want to have higher expectations, but like uh, this is you know we talked about this. I think at Syracuse fans, we have slightly higher expectations than that, but like 
if we could reach that first and then have those discussions, I would be thrilled. And yeah, this team like really retained, they, they've built like a really nice balanced roster. Um, it seems like they always have more talent than they probably should. Um, and, and as you said, the schedule is pretty advantageous to start. They have ODU, Norfolk State, obviously Florida State could be a landmine, could very much not be a landmine. At UVA is not easy, but not you know not the not the end of the world neither is versus louisville and they've at us at army like there are traps there but if this is like a this this could lay out pretty well until you get to that unc game on on november 6th yeah i mean perilous last month of the season uh at unc yeah. State, at clemson at bc um uh, <laughs> if they're, not, if they're really good they could split those games though so like sure. there's a pathway yeah. to like a nine win wake team here I, I i don't think i'd predict it but i think I'd be a little surprised if they didn't win six or seven. Oh yeah, I honestly, I I, I think Wake can win seven or eight um, with 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 some relative ease. I think Wake has done really well what I've been pining for for years, which is like just completely just make sure you schedule for a bowl. Um, yep. and, and, and when Wake is just Wake has, has has allowed that you know time to settle and has said, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to schedule ourselves out for for seven eight years with winnable games and then and then let's get really comfortable there and then let's move on to the next level and i feel like syracuse gets concerned with brand and there's so many other teams that like get like nc state's doing it too now like getting too concerned with brand and 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 the perception that you need to keep elevating like as i've said over and over again on this podcast on blog on twitter the the goal of college football is do not lose and 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 because you're not competing for a playoff bid nc state syracuse wake just about everybody else save a handful of schools like you should do everything possible to reduce the amount of losses that you can take on because that because the more losses you take on the less money you're going to make because people are going to lose interest in your program for losing too much so realistically wake is doing it very smart where they play tulane a lot they play uh army a lot they play all the like the the odus of the world charlotte's all these schools and like they play them for they, they schedule four game series against them and they beat them every time and they start four and zero and everyone gets excited and then, then then the hype train is just so used to revving up that it's on autopilot um every single season and like syracuse still hasn't figured that out necessarily um and and, and i think they've tried harder in recent years than than they did before but it's definitely not been like this simple process for them and for a lot of other schools that again it's just have after a couple of years will we'll try to elevate themselves and you're already seeing it with Syracuse where they're doubling up on P5s you know a couple times in in, in the next decade which should probably go poorly I this, the schedule thing it reminds me this is one of those years where they they did like that doofy non-conference conference game right is it the they did game? no the yeah the North Carolina game is a non-conference oh it's the North Carolina game yeah, so I was like, look, and I'm like, wait, oh yeah, they did this weird thing. Uh, so they're playing nine ACC games, but UNC is technically a non-conference game. Uh, so figure it out. <laughs> yeah, so in that I regard, it as much as a lot of others, like, yeah, especially when you have three. It's stupid, but at the same time, yeah, like you know what? If you're going to have a game that is a test, quote unquote, out of conference, like having it be your longtime conference foe, who you, if you beat or even play close, you could help you in in state recruiting. Like that's not the worst idea. Also, like those North Carolina schools should all be playing each other, and like if we hopefully eventually move to a pod system, um, it might be tough to put just all four of them in a pod. But you hope that at least like you renew some of those rivalries uh, every other year. But no, I don't. I don't hate it as much for them. Like, uh, it's kind of doofy in general. But also, we should just go to pods so we can play every school every uh, two years instead of every like seventeen years. Yeah, I agree with that. I know I mentioned a couple weeks ago that like I was in. I, I think the like you know two or three like locked in opponent like the three locked in opponents idea works 
as a pods alternative, as does like five pods of three teams, which is the same thing basically. Um, either either one would make me very happy. <laughs> like, five pods, of, uh, five pods of three. Then you can have Notre Dame rotating around them. Yeah, they could be in a pod, and they just don't play. They they their their commitment is just like one fewer rotation. Yeah, so basically they play that pod and then another pod of three one season, and then that's the five games that they would normally play anyway. And then you just rotate the next year and the next year, and like it. I just think it makes so much more sense. Um, I guess I, guess I do agree. I think it's hard to make a, a North Carolina team pod. I think it's hard to make a Northeast like that benefits them or the rest of the conference. It's tough to make a Southern pod really that doesn't take away opportunities for the rest of the conference to play in, you know, hotbeds like um, Atlanta and hotbeds like Florida. But like, realistically, it would make the most sense to have Clemson, Miami, Florida state and Georgia tech in the same division. Like, so it, it becomes a tough, balance i don't necessarily know like what the answer is i think you figure it out and then you just make it so that every team will play in florida in north carolina and at either clemson or georgia tech every year and i think you'd like make a lot of people happy yeah i agree with that because like you have basically like north carolina is a hotbed florida is the hotbed and then clemson georgia tech are so close that like you're at least arguably like georgia area um and and that like those are the three places i think everyone wants to hit virginia too you could argue virginia as well and like, not no one cares if they come to Syracuse every year. No one cares if they're going to Boston every year. Like, but you want every team wants to recruit those areas. So let's let's divvy it up. And obviously, some will play more more than others based on rivalries. But no, I think like you, there there are certainly ways to make that work. I would agree. And anything else before we uh, head out for the week? I know this was a, a whirlwind tour of the Atlantic. We'll probably uh, we'll probably start the coastal a little bit earlier um, in the pod next week, just because we have. Uh, seven teams to handle next week instead of six here. Yeah, excited to uh, talk some coastal. We'll hopefully find a map way towards the uh, the the perfect year of coastal football that we are always just off of, uh, where everyone <laughs> finishes the same record. I, I don't know if this is the year for that, but um, I, I, I look forward to figuring out how we can get six of those teams to six and six records. Yes. North Carolina, stop being greedy. <laughs> Well, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy News and Absolute Podcast. And rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, TuneIn, Stitcher, Overcast, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange.